The following program contains vintage advertising. None of the commercials featured here are the result of any paid endorsement of any kind. Telehell presents... Commercials of the Damned! Before we start, my apologies for still sounding a little stuffed up from a few weeks ago. Let this be a lesson to everybody. When you're flying, take plenty of hand sanitizer, bring a mask to cover your mouth, and then curse the day commercial aviation was ever a thing. Long story short, being sick sucks, and it's even worse when the germs are airborne. That actually has nothing to do with this episode, I just wanted to explain why a few weeks ago I sounded like Vin Diesel at age 7. That said, we're going to keep this episode short and sweet this week, and it begins in the 1950s. The end of World War II and the dawn of television gave advertisers its fire from the top of Olympus. Particularly, the notion of, why just tell people about our products on the radio when people can see them on TV instead? And yes, we're well aware of the irony of that statement being said in the middle of a podcast, so please don't bother pointing that out. Point is, thanks to the dawn of television around that time, another dawn was able to take shape. The golden age of advertising. Thanks to television, the advertising world saw a renaissance taking place that has not been matched before or since. Practically, every memorable slogan, jingle, or campaign that could be thought up managed to capture the public's attention in ways that radio wished it could. Mr. Clean gets rid of dirt and grime and grease in just a minute. So much so that Madison Avenue started to question itself on just how far they would be willing to go when selling a product. Luckily, one particular advertiser stepped up to the challenge, whether it realized it or not. And pretty soon, it would come up with a commercial that would eventually see itself decaying in the mutated gene pool of Telehell. To understand this one, we first need to understand a little about the company involved, the Dorothy Gray Cosmetics line. After spending a stint in the 1910s working with another famous cosmetic raconteur, Elizabeth Arden, Gray struck out on her own to create Dorothy Gray Cosmetics in 1916. And while the brand never really amassed the same kind of sales that Arden or fellow makeup makers like Estee Lauder or Helena Rubinstein would make in their lifetimes, the brand has remained durable to this day. And if you wish to find out more about both Gray and the company, check out a blogspot page called Collecting Vintage Compacts, because quite honestly, they're far more comprehensive about Gray's history than Wikipedia, which, shockingly, doesn't even have an entry on her or her company. But I digress. Point is, the company has been around forever, and was one of the earliest known companies to take advantage of the primitive years of television. The thing is, they weren't exactly the first or the best one to do so. I'd suggest getting your skin thoroughly clean with clean and clean. Clean and clear, clean and clear. 
When your curls are just the way you want them, float on a cloud of Liquinet. Get suave, you suave, condition with suave, your hair will be lovely with suave. Revlon Snow Peach. So, what would Dorothy Gray do to try and upstage the likes of Arden, Este, and the rest? You're about to find out. Listen carefully to the following commercial for Dorothy Gray's Cold Cream, otherwise known as Makeup Remover, and get ready to drop your jaws. We did not doctor the following ad in any way. Busy you, in and out of doors every day. Think how much dust and dirt settle on your skin. And makeup clings to your skin, too, and clogs pores. That's why your face needs a thorough cleansing each day. And that's why cleansing tests were made by an independent testing laboratory. This same kind of dirt was made just radioactive enough to register on a Geiger counter. Now, to paraphrase Lewis Black, we're going to repeat that part again because it bears repeating. What did they put on that woman's face again? This same kind of dirt was made just radioactive enough to register on a Geiger counter. Yeah. Uh-huh. A friendly reminder that this was the 1950s, an era where the Cold War was just about to ramp up in spite of the post-World War II prosperity, an era where practically every God-fearing American had a fallout shelter attached to their homes in case, God forbid, the Ruskies would pull a Dr. Strangelove on us and nuke us all to kingdom come. And with that much fear instilled into Mr. and Mrs. North America, why in the ever-loving hell would somebody smear radioactive dirt on their face just to prove that cold cream can remove it? It doesn't even matter that the cream was able to get the dirt off of the face or even the fact that the dirt was just quote-unquote radioactive enough. What does that even mean, anyway? Just radioactive enough? That makes about as much sense as filling a sealed tank with just enough water so that there's a cubic inch of oxygen left to breathe in before ultimately drowning after your arms and legs give out from treading the water. But, before people freak out over the possibility of the female subject possibly suffering from a case of radioactive facial mutation from the experiment, the commercial does go on to make this clarification. Leading cleansing creams, complexion soaps, and Dorothy Gray Salon cold cream were used to remove this dirt. The Geiger counter proved that Dorothy Gray Salon cold cream cleanses up to two and a half times more thoroughly than any soap or other cleansing cream tested. I guess that makes things okay if the Geiger counter was unable to detect anything. But still, they took it upon themselves to smear a questionable amount of something dangerous on somebody's face, just so they can sell a few cans of cold cream. For particulars of this Geiger counter story, write for this test booklet to Dorothy Gray Limited, Box 18, Grand Central Station, New York City. Oh, right. They wanted people to send for a promotional booklet that proved that the tests that they were doing were perfectly safe. I'm sure they meant well with this, but just like Jerry Maguire had us at hello, this spot lost us at radioactive dirt. So, where does this massive pancaking of product testing get applied in telehell? Get ready to apply about nine circles worth of primer before painting the town red. Limbo, lust, gluttony, greed, wrath, heresy, violence, fraud, treachery. This one's a little tough to judge because this was just one spot and not a full-on ad campaign. But boy, did it leave an impact for some. 
particularly those who feel that getting some of that pesky radioactive dirt on their faces might cause a problem or two in the long run. Regardless of how clean the cream ultimately made things later on, still though, this is a kind of facial abuse that we didn't even think was possible. So while the victims, uh, I'm sorry, I mean subjects' faces were clean for that moment, there's a good chance they might have resembled a battered prize fighter years later thanks to radioactive wear and tear. A rather slow but still violent physical transition if you stop to think about it. And of course, this is a commercial designed to try and convince people to buy something. Not unlike Reebok a few weeks ago, this too used some comparatively minor scare tactics to pull off the message, buy our product, or die wondering what if. The fact that the Dorothy Gray Company remains in business is enough to tell us that the spot not only did its job, but wound up relatively unscathed after airing it. So, greed winds up being this ad's savior. In spite of how horrific the premise is, the Dorothy Gray radioactive dirt ad only gets two circles of telehell. Maybe because safety regulations were far more lax in the 1950s compared to today, even with the current administration working hard to roll them back further to the Stone Age, there's no telling if the people involved in the spot wound up with detrimental side effects after the fact. Did they grow a second head? Did they develop ESP? Were they able to time travel? Who knows, since apparently there doesn't seem to be any further record of what happened after the commercial was made. One thing's for sure, though. If something like that were to be done in this day and age, there would be a lot more hell to pay. Especially considering how much stronger radioactivity has become over the years. As proof of this, I've developed my own makeup using some of the finest all-natural ingredients, including cherry bark, almonds, lilacs, a vial of low-grade plutonium powder, and 99.9% .9 facial moisturizer. Just a few minutes ago, we placed a very small dab on the face of one of our interns for testing. And now we're going to see if any side effects can be found. Say, Becca, how's the new makeup working for you? Very good, very good. And uh, does the scent linger too long in the air? Okay, that's fine. And and uh, does it accentuate any other features? Brings out the cheekbones in face. Got it. Uh, anything else to add? Okay, let me make sure I get this right. Subtle scent enhances face, causes people to breathe fire. Okay, I think we need to run more tests, but but thank you, Becca. The uh, the antidote's available in the gluttony circle. Sorry, we're fresh out of deer flesh for you to chew on. Just just, just go ahead and take the antidote. You'll be fine in a few hours. I promise. Next time on Telehell, can a TV show sustain itself without two of its biggest stars? Oh, I do. Oh, I do. Sir. Fans do. Yes, sir. What are you doing in my office? In fact, what are you even doing in Hazard County? Until next time. If it's not a Telehell, it's not worth a damn. Telehell was written, produced, edited, and narrated by me, Justin Hart. All clips used in this program are protected under the Fair Use Doctrine of the U.S. Copyright Act of 1976. 
and all clips used come courtesy of their respective companies and owners. Some of the music used in this program comes courtesy of YouTube and their audio library service. Telehell is a production of Horton Road and is distributed by Libsyn. Oh, one more thing. Just because we watch a lot of TV doesn't mean that we don't want to socialize. Look for us on Facebook and Twitter, both at Telehell Podcast. And of course, you can also go to our own page, telehell.libsyn.com. And don't forget to like, comment, rate, and subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Libsyn. Just search for Telehell.